If you would, open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Now, I know that we, we were in Philippians a couple of weeks ago. We started Philippians. And so I, I'm, we're going to continue um, our study through Philippians. And I, I want us to see the beauty of this text. Um, and I know we started out with the idea of thanksgiving um, in this text. And if we saw, we saw in the text last time we were together, um, we saw how Paul was in prison. Paul's writing this, this text from prison. Now, it doesn't sound or look like he's in prison when he writes this because he has a tone of, of thanksgiving. He has a tone of gratefulness. Um, but he's writing this. And at the end of chapter one, remember, he tells them, listen, I'm in prison. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had. And now that I still continue to have. And so there's this continuation in the text talking about, listen, I'm in prison because I've shared the gospel. I, I'm in prison because I have done what Christ has called me to do. And I've, I've shared the truth of God's Word. So he's telling them not to give up regardless of how difficult it becomes. Don't, don't give up. Don't stop advancing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep a humble stance in what you do in everything. And remember, none of this is about you and I personally. This is what Paul's echoing and telling the church of Philippi. Listen, absolutely none of this that we're reading, none of this that we're studying here is about you and I. It's about Christ. It's about bringing glory to Christ. And so he has this desire to share the gospel. And if you remember, there were those who had a desire in chapter 1. They were attempting to one-up Paul. They were trying to make Paul look um, not as effective in his ministry. They wanted to try to make fun of him, poke holes in his ministry. And so Paul encourages the church to remain humble in their pursuits and in their interactions with each other. And so this is how we launch into chapter 2. So I'm going to start reading. We're going to read a few verses of Philippians here. So bear with me. We're going to start in chapter 2, verse 1. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection, any sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind about yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who through, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. So this is Paul's mandate to the church. So starting in chapter two, have the same mind 
that Christ has for you. This is the idea of the text. Have the same mind that Christ has for you. Love one another as Christ has loved you. Don't push forward your own selfish agendas, but rather count others more significant than yourself. Amen? Count, count others, and this is what we do, especially in this season. We, we try to help one another. We try to bring each other up. We try to come alongside one another. So in other words, serve one another as Christ has served you. How many of you in the room have been served in ministry by the Lord Jesus Christ? How, how, how many of you in the room, Christ has blessed you, has taken care of you, has shown you the truth of who he is? Man. In other words here, Love one another as Christ has loved you. Serve one another as Christ has served you. In John chapter 13, just our cross-reference here this morning, in John chapter 13, Jesus shows us what a servant leader looks like. Now, this is not the ideal setup for most of us in the room. If you, re- if you know anything about John chapter 13, you know that this is, a, this is one of those things, if I did this on a Sunday morning, there would be an awkwardness in the room. There'd be people going, oh, I don't know about this. Let's look at verse, starting in verse 3 of John chapter 13. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper and laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist, and he poured water into a basin, and it began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, I know, listen, I'm not going to do this this morning. I thought about it. I mean, as I was prepping, I thought, man, this would be interesting if I could grab Tyler or Darren or, or Chancey and bring them here on stage and say, hey, take your shoes off. That would, would that have been, immediately been like, oh, now listen, I don't know if we should do this, Caleb. Pastor, we, we no. I thought about it, but then I thought, well, we'll just talk about it, right? How about that? that? We'll just talk about it. But Jesus takes the position of a servant. Or even more, the, 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 the terminology here is, is a, he takes the position of a slave. And he serves these disciples as a lesson on what we as Christ followers should be doing. And it, like, it really cracks me up when you keep reading in the text. Because Peter is just like world-class, this is what, I think most of us in the room have a little bit of Peter in us, because look at what Peter does here, because in his mindset, he's got a completely different mindset. Verse six, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Question mark. Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you don't understand now, but afterwards you will understand. And Peter says, you will never You will never, like imagine this. I can just see him pointing his finger at Jesus. You will never wash my feet. And then Jesus answers him, if I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Oh, oh. So Peter just vomits out things out of his mouth. Anybody in the room ever vomit something out of your mouth and you think, oh, I'm totally fine. You just say it and then, then you realize, oh, I probably should. I wish I could. Can I rewind that? Anybody? Peter has this moment where he's like, listen, I need to rewind what I said. I need to rewind. Because Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you have nothing with me. Then Simon Peter says, well, Lord, 
not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Like, he just goes all in. Anybody's like, oh, wait. Jesus literally says, okay, if you don't let me wash your feet, if you don't let me wash and cleanse you, you have nothing. Peter's like, okay, wait a minute. Let's just take this a step further. I know you're washing feet, but how about my hands? How about my head? Like he just goes all in. P- Peter was of the mindset that he was not going to allow this type of thing to happen in the beginning. He thought, no way, Jesus can't do this. this is, I know who Jesus is. No, I'm, I should be serving you. This is this mindset. I should be serving you. I should be washing your feet, Lord. Peter was flabbergasted that Jesus would do such a thing. And then he says out loud, you're never going to wash my feet. Just, oh. And then Jesus has to school Peter. Anybody in the room been schooled by the Lord Jesus Christ? The Holy Spirit just convict you? Just Anybody ever just Holy Spirit slapped in the head? Amen? You read through the text, you're like, oh, that was, ouch, Father. Ow. Well, he quickly, Peter quickly changes his tune. He says, oh, oh wait, 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 wait. If that's the case, if you're not going to, if I don't have any place with you, if you don't wash my feet, well, my, how about my feet? How about my head? How about you know, something in my hands? How about everything? Always one to put his foot in his mouth. Anybody else in here put your foot in your mouth? Peter, no, you're in good company because one of the disciples did that often. He did that often. So that's just that's what he does. And then he goes on in the chapter and explains why. Jesus explains in John chapter 13 why he's doing this, starting in verse 12. And when he had washed their feet, he put out on his outer garment and resumed his place. And he said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am. If then your Lord and your teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. So the idea here is, yes, I am God. Jesus literally says, I, you, you think that I'm teacher, I'm Lord? You're right, because I am. So Jesus says, yes, I am God, but here's the thing. I'm not going to push around my, my big belt of authority here. I'm going to show you what it looks like to be a servant leader. If your God is willing to serve, you'd be you should be ready, willing, and able to serve one another as well. Amen? If the Lord Jesus Christ is willing to serve, don't think you're above serving. That period. There's no job that is off limits in ministry. Paul echoes this. What G- Paul echoes in Philippians chapter 2 what Jesus talks about in John chapter 13. Starting in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, Paul says this, have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he who had the form of God did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the point of the death on a cross. So God Almighty humbled himself. Jesus came and took on the position of a slave. 
Like, think about this, that the God of the universe comes into your timeline and into the story of humanity and doesn't come in like they thought he was going to come in. Remember, when Jesus enters the equation that Christmas morning, the Jews are looking for a conquering king to come in and just slaughter the Roman Empire and take over and set up his kingdom. That's what they're looking for. But Jesus has a different plan. He's, I'm going to come and redeem not just the Jews, but the Gentiles. I'm going to redeem humanity, and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to be born of a woman. I'm going to humble myself to the point of a human being. I'm going to set aside. I'm going to humble myself to the point of a slave. And I'm going to come even to the point of death for humanity. Not just any death, the most gruesome, horrible death that could ever be brought about was the death on the cross. Even the point of death. And what's crazy to me is is that if Jesus is willing to do this, and some of us aren't willing to serve and get a little dirty in ministry... What, what are we doing? Who are we serving? Who are we loving? Who are we following? Isaac Watts once stated this. He said, In the matter of equity between man and man, our Savior has taught us to put my neighbor in place of myself and myself in place of my neighbor. Like, that's, that's the truth. That's, that, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to who Jesus is, I've got to replace you with me and Me with you. Some people just want the flashy jobs in different types of, especially, I mean, it's funny in ministry. I've been in ministry for several decades now, and it's interesting to be around people who are interested in the flashy show jobs. They're interested in these jobs up here on the platform that they get the praise and the accolades and all the, oh, amazing things. They go, oh did really good on that song, which, man, I'm grateful for the singers. I'm grateful for those who have talent in that. Thank the Lord for that. But you know what God really counts? Those who are doing the jobs aren't, that aren't necessarily flashy in front of everybody, but the jobs that aren't flashy. Cleaning toilets, wiping dirty noses, changing diapers, feeding people in a, in a food line. But that's the thing that Jesus counts. Like you look through the text, like that's the truth. Now, I'm thankful for the flashy jobs, but man, don't get a high and mighty horse and think, oh, listen, this thing's working because of me. Man, it works in spite of me. Amen? It works in spite of you. Not because of you, but in spite of you, because all of this is about the Lord Jesus Christ and Christ receiving glory. And so loving people well, serving people well is what Christ has called us to do. And this is what Paul tells the church of Philippi is with a grateful, humble, thankful heart, serve one another well because Christ has served you. You can also read in John chapter 13, verse 34, he says, I give a new command to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. But, and why? What's the point of you doing these things? Verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the world, the lost world is going to recognize that there is something different about this group of people at First Baptist Church. 
There's a, there's, there's, a different, there's a different mindset. So what's the idea from Jesus? Here, it's echoed by Paul. Paul says, have this same love, being in full accord of one mind. Love one another well. Love one another well. And when you do this, the world is going to understand that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Listen, every one of us in this room this morning, every single one of us have different backgrounds, different hobbies, different likes, different dislikes. We all look a little different. We all sound a little different. Everything's a little bit different about us. Amen? But the, the common denominator is what? Jesus. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that's the common denominator in every single one of us in this room this morning. The same Christ that is alive in you and working in you is the same Christ that's alive in me and working in me. And, and that's, that's the truth. And because of that fact, we go back to Philippians 2 where it says in verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to your own interests. Now, he, so he doesn't say, hey, listen, you can't be interested in your stuff. You, he didn't say that. He says what? Let each of you look not only to your interests, but also to the interests of others. He's, he didn't say, listen, you can't have a hobby. You can't do things that are interesting to you. He didn't say that. He says, you can do these things, but don't let that be the, the, the end all be all. Don't let your interest and your hobbies and your likes and your dislikes be the end all be all. Look to other people around you and what? Their interests as well. Be interested in what they're interested in as well. Serve them in what they have as well. Verse 5 says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Here's, here's, what, it's, here's what it comes down to. You and I, you, Caleb, you're not the bottom line to your life. You are not the bottom line to your life. We are to live our lives for somebody else. Because Christ lived his life and laid his life down for somebody else. And you know who that somebody else is? Who? Go ahead. Come on. You. He did it for you. He did it for me. Christ laid down his life. Christ lived his life for you and I. Like, I want you to think about this. He set aside all the things that are in heaven to come here to buy us back. What in the world? Who in the world would do that kind of thing? A father that loves his children. Think about that, dads, in the room. You'd lay us, if your kid needed you for something, you'd lay aside everything you could to help your children. Amen? Parents, that's the truth. We would come alongside in a way that, oh, come on, we gotta help. I gotta help. I gotta help them. John chapter 15, verse 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Amen? And this is what's crazy is Jesus keeps going in this text and he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves 
For a slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to, so that you can go and sh- bear fruit, that your fruit would, uh, should abide in me, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, I'll give you. Like, think about that. That God no longer calls you a slave, but he calls you a friend. You are a friend to God Almighty. Woo! That should get some of us a little excited. That's a Christmas present, amen? We move from being a slave to a friend of God. Like, I want you guys to think about this. Jesus Christ, the sovereign God of the universe, the king of the universe, would come down and take the form of man. And he would come back to redeem and buy us back in such a holistic way, such as, I mean, in our minds, there was a great song by For Him called The Strange Way to Save the World. Great song by For Him. Such a strange way to save the world. That he picked some lowly teenage Jewish girl that's engaged to a dirty carpenter. And he says, okay, I'm going to use this woman and through her, I'm going to bring forth the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You'll find him laying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. What? Could you imagine what Mary was thinking as she's sitting there in a barn with her baby going, this is him. This is what the angel told me about. This is, he's going to save me? He's going to save you, Joe? Maybe she called him Joseph. I don't, Joe, I don't know. It's conjecture. As they sit there in the stable, and all of a sudden, from everywhere comes these dirty shepherds, farmers. And they lay down and worship the baby. Why? Because angels told them to. Like, thinking about this, that Christ was born this way and became a servant and grew up just like you grew up. Had struggles just like you had struggles, but overcame those struggles and was sinless and perfect so that he could be the perfect sacrifice to redeem and buy you back. Woo! Now that's good news. So because of this, we have to understand that, listen, none of this is about us. None of this that we're sitting here looking at the trees, the the poinsettias, even though they're beautiful and I love them, they're great to look at. None of this is about that. It's about Christ Jesus. It's about the sovereign king of the universe. He deserves every ounce of the glory. Not me, not you. Christ deserves the glory. He's the one who gets every ounce of that. So because of this, because of that fact that he's the one who gets the glory, and in fact, because of this, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. That's what it tells us, that every knee is going to bow before the king 
and we're going to confess that Jesus is Lord. We're to walk in him, work, walk in his finished work on Calvary's cross, and we're going to be rooted and grounded in him. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 says, Therefore, as you have... Re-, now listen, think about this. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord... Now, so because you're saved, because you have walked in this, because you've come alongside, because Christ has come alongside you and saved you and redeemed you. So now walk in Jesus, walk in him, rooted in him and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abound in thanksgiving. I know we're, I know, well, Caleb, thanksgiving's over with. That should never be a state that we leave. We should always, as believers, be in a constant state of thanksgiving. Even as we sit in this room and think about the birth of our Savior, we should do that from a humbled, thankful stance. Amen? A stance that says, God, you did this because you loved me. That should cause us to be so thankful, so grateful. So this season that we're in, this season that we're in, as we remember the birth of Christ... We should also continue to live in a state of thanksgiving. Continue to live in a state that says, Father, I want to know you. I want to trust you. I want to follow you. I want to know you. And as we do this, we think about what Christ has done. And because of that, listen, I as your pastor, I'm thankful to the Lord that he loves me. That Jesus Christ chose to love a scoundrel and a treasonous wretch like Caleb Gordon is absolutely jaw-dropping. Because there's some days I don't like myself. Anybody? Anybody? But the Jesus looked past that and said, okay, I'm looking at what he's going to become. I'm not looking at what he is right now. I'm looking at what I'm going to change him into. And he's going to be holy and blameless before me. Because of me, not because of Caleb, but because of Christ, Caleb will be holy and blameless because of the finished work on Calvary's cross. So listen, and I'm thankful for the birth of Jesus, but man, the most important thing is if we didn't have the birth, we wouldn't have had the death. But the most important thing that we can come to remember during this Christmas season is that the gift of Christ's coming was the gift to redeem and buy us back on Calvary's cross and then three days later being raised from the grave for our justification. And we'll talk about this in a few days. On Wednesday night, we'll talk about this, the the gifts that were given, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Those are weird gifts to anybody, any ladies having baby showers. Listen, I know that the gold seems normal and natural. Nobody's going to refuse a bar of gold. Amen? Frankincense and myrrh, though, that's a weird baby gift. But not if you knew who he was. Not if you understood who Jesus is. Those gifts make perfect sense, and we'll talk about that soon. But I'm thankful to Jesus. Listen, not only am I thankful to Jesus that he saved and redeemed and reconciled me back to himself, I, as your pastor, am thankful this morning for each one of you here in this place. Like I mean that from the bottom of my heart, that I, as your pastor, am just immensely grateful for every human being in this room. That you love me in spite of me, is awesome. 
It's awesome. It's mind-blowing to me. 15-year-old Caleb would think this is awesome. He just would. I'm thankful to Jesus for each one of you. And as we continue to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, may we never lose sight of who Christ is and what Christ has done on our behalf. And that we may propel this into the circles of influence that we have this holiday season. As you gather your families together, as you go to Christmas parties, as you do the things that you're doing this holiday season, make the primary thing about Christmas Christ. Amen? Christ is the primary thing that we are to focus on and to just meditate and pray on is that Jesus is to be made much of. It's not, it's not about Santa baby. Bring me something under the tree. It, that's, not, that's not it. You ask my kids every Christmas morning before we open one single solitary gift. I said before we do that, we open the text and we look at Luke chapter 2. And Luke chapter 2 tells us what? That the Savior was born. And because Christ gave himself as this gift for us, this is the reason we give gifts. Those packages that are under your tree, man, don't get consumed with the consumerism of America. That's what we are. Man, right now, I literally watched this craziness happen yesterday at a store. I went with my daughter and my future son-in-law and my, my wife and watched as the quintessential just... Rah! Yes, it happened. Incidentally, you know what the name of the store is called? Gold Digger. <laughs> I mean, hello. I think it's funny. But don't let the, don't let the consumerism of this, of this holiday lose sight of what the, what the meaning of this should be. It's that Christ is supreme, that Christ was born of a virgin to redeem and reconcile humanity back to himself, to seek and to save that, that which was lost. That's the point of Christmas, amen? And God help us not to forget it. Let's stand together.